Richard Lejeune. And this is Pastor Curtis King. Uh, good morning, Pastor Lejeune. How are you this beautiful day? Good morning. I'm great. I have to pick on you here quickly. Uh-oh, what have I done now? <laughs> You've been saying for weeks now, and I've just let it slide. I can't let it slide any longer. Uh-oh, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Pastor's perspective on your problems when the name of our podcast is the pastor's prescription for your problems. Prescription. Oh, <laughs> I am sorry. Oh, my, I need to write an apology to the entire planet because uh, I'm sure that everybody on earth is probably watching this. So, uh, wow, I can't believe I've been doing that. Well, thank you for letting me know that. All right. So well, I'll... I'm going to go to Machu Picchu and I'm going to get a, a proper <laughs> perspective and a prescription. So a perspective and a prescription at Pichu. At Pichu. Okay. Yeah. I got you. I got you. You know, when this episode is being broadcast, you're probably going to be sitting there looking at it. I will be on an airplane heading there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious about this. So where, uh, where you're going, uh, your Angela is already there and you're going to catch up with her and the rest of the family, um, down there. How far is that from Machu Picchu? So Angela lives in a town two plus miles above sea level. Um, Oh, oh my goodness. I'm going to, by the time you all are watching this, um, we're recording before I go, you all will be watching it as I'm leaving her hometown. I will have been very sick because I get altitude sickness every time I go, uh, yeah. like 12,000 feet above sea level, something like that. Anyway, uh, so it's an eight hour drive to get to her hometown from Lima, which is the capital city. It's a 30 minute flight because you're going straight up and you're landing on top of a mountain. So okay. um, then to go to Machu Picchu from there, you fly back to Lima and then you have about an hour and a half flight to Cusco. Okay, my Many goodness. recognize Cusco from the Disney movie, Emperor's New Groove. Ah, Emperor okay. Cusco. Emperor Cusco is named after the region of Cusco, which is a big vacation spot for people. So I, you, you are educating me here. This is fantastic. Um, I'm glad I can learn. Um, you know, I, um, I was the youth pastor at Open Door there in Westminster, Maryland for seven years. And my replacement has has been the youth pastor there, I think, for going on 20 years now, Josh Belcher. Uh-huh. And um, uh, and everyone says that he looks like and talks like that main character in Emperor's New Groove. Okay. And I think um, you probably know who he is. I can't even think of who he is. But uh, the more you're around Josh Belcher, the more you see, oh, it is him. <laughs> it is all him. Two miles above sea. What in the world? Yeah. Yeah, Angela Matthew and April all got sick when they got there, and so it it takes you a week or two to just get acclimated. If you're not used to that, your yeah. blood oxygen level drops off. People yep. that live up there live with a lower blood a blood oxygen saturation than we do at sea level, um, but their bodies, you know, are acclimated because they've lived there either their whole life or for a long time. Yeah, so, you know, your body goes into shock a little bit when the uh, oxygen saturation drops, but um, so yeah, I'm going there to do, do my sister-in-law's wedding. Some yep. of you know, Andrea uh, that know us because she's been around us. Andrea is getting married and that, that's exciting. By the time you've watched it, it she's exciting. gotten married and on her honeymoon. Uh, but, uh, pray for me because I'm going into this to do with altitude sickness and I've got to do a wedding in Spanish. So, well, hopefully you'll have enough time. How many days after your arrival is the wedding? Like four. 
Okay, so that maybe that'll give you enough time. Yeah, hopefully so. When I was in college, um, I traveled with Neighborhood Bible Time. Mm-hmm. Now, for two summers, our training was in Boulder, Colorado, which is a mile above sea level. My first morning in Boulder, Colorado, I went jogging. And, you know, back in those days, I could, you know, I could run, you know, um, you know, I didn't have the spare tire, you know, and so mm-hmm. I, I could get out and run for a long time. I got about a block down the road. I thought I was going to, I thought I was breathing so hard, I was going to turn inside out. It was incredible. I cannot even fathom two miles above sea level, how thin the air must be. Are you going to do any jogging while you're there? Absolutely not. The <laughs> you most know, I bet uh, you... athletic thing I'm going to do or the most, um, uh, let's see, respiratory difficult thing I'm going to do is walk up and down the stairs of the second floor and put a, fo- put a fork to my mouth. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, speaking of putting a fork to your mouth, come on now. Oh my goodness, your wife has been posting some incredible videos on Facebook of um things they are cooking and eating over there. Oh my goodness, what in the world? The food there is fantastic. <laughs> it looks amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh. If you if you live in the in the Baltimore area, there are several really good Peruvian restaurants. You can text me later. I'll be happy to send you a link. If you're in Connecticut, there's one in Stamford. I'm sure in New York, there's uh, Peruvian food is known all around the world as being some of the best cuisine. Um, I know people who live in other South American and Central American countries, and they tell me they like Peruvian food better than their own food. So yeah. 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 Well, there was a place in Frederick, Maryland, um, that, um, that we went to uh, a couple times that was just absolutely off the charts. Incredible. And I remember, uh, of course, in the Glen Burnie, Baltimore area. And, and uh, then, of course, your wife has prepared some meals that I have enjoyed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have to agree, Peruvian food is amazing. It is amazing. They have a they have a sandwich you can get there. It's called Sandwich de Chicharron. And it's a oh. pork-based sandwich. And I don't know how they prepare it. Ridiculous. <laughs> you get a chance to get Sandwich de Chicharron. Uh, if you put that on top of your head... My dad used to say, so you put that on top of your head, your tongue will beat your brains out trying to get to it. So um, <laughs> it's that good. So, oh boy. Oh boy. Well, I'm jealous of you. You get to go down and give Andrea our love. Um, well, we had a conversation around the living room last night about Andrea and her, her husband to be. And my wife was commenting about how he just looks like such a nice guy. And yep. we're just so happy for her. That, that is just tremendous. What a yeah, sweet man. girl. I will pass I, those uh, greetings along for sure. I remember the first time I, well, this is probably the second time I met Andrea. Um, I, I needed to tell Angela to tell you something. So I went over to Andrea and I said, hey, can you tell Richard, uh, whatever, whatever. And she said, and, and her English wasn't exactly strong back then. She said, I, I am not Angela. <laughs> well, well, Angela, well, who day, are you? <laughs> one day, Angela and Andrea had their hair cut exactly the same. And it was a Sunday morning right before Sunday school in our old ministry. And I looked at Andrew and said, let's play a joke on Pastor King. Let's walk up and see if he knows who you are. And so was that we, the day that I did that? Uh, it's possible. Maybe, uh, but but uh, we walked up to you and and you we were still kind of new, new uh, at knowing you in the ministry there. Yeah, and, uh, you totally bought it that Andrea was Angela. <laughs> 
and you were so like embarrassed and upset by it at the same time. It was oh, you're terrible, man. <laughs> well, my mind, I felt like my whole head exploded when she said, I am not Angela. <laughs> oh, well, then who are you? <laughs> you are Angela, but, but yeah. she wasn't. So, <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, I did the joke of the week first last week. And so we're, I'm going to let you do the joke of the week first this week. And, um, uh, I, I'm excited about hearing this because you last week you said this was your better of the two. So let's hear it. Okay. So one day the zookeeper noticed that the monkey uh, was reading two books. He had a copy of the Bible and he had a copy of Darwin's Origin of Species. Uh, uh, so, you know, totally shocked that this ape is sitting there reading these books. He, he asks the ape, he says, why are you reading both of these books? Well, said the ape, he said, I just wanted to know if I was my brother's keeper or my keeper's brother. (laughs) That's a good one. That is my brother's keeper. (laughs) Gracious. Wow. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. Let's hear yours. Well, my, okay. Remember last week I talked about, uh, Warren Forsyth, the fellow in our church who's sending me these complaining jokes because mm-hmm. November is no murmur November here at Calvary Baptist in Niagara Falls. And, um, you know, we're challenging our folks to not complain about anything all month long. So in October, he sent me all of these complaining jokes. So here's, um, uh, so here is another complaining joke that, which remember last week, my complaining joke was, the uh the duck that had the facelift he complained because the bill was too high mm-hmm. that was a good you joke. don't get points for telling that one again I just <laughs> it was such a good joke it needs to be revisited so th- the next complaining joke from warren forsyth is that there was a uh uh there was a uh, a, a warehouse where they um, manufactured tennis equipment and the uh the neighbors were complaining about the warehouse and uh, they said they didn't like living there because they're always making a racket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so everybody, give us your vote. Do you like the racket complaining joke or do you like the uh, the monkey joke, the brother's keeper, keeper's brother? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're both pretty bad this week. We'll see what happens. No, I think those are both classic jokes. Can you, okay, uh, you, before we started this, you mentioned somebody in your church. Uh, we're, we're approaching 11 minutes here, but. You gotta be quick. Yeah, you were, someone in your church made a comment about our jokes. I'll give a shout out to Jason Magnarella, <laughs> who attends here. And he told me, he said he enjoys the joke of the week, jokes of the week, because they are so corny that he laughs, not at how funny the jokes are, but how (laughs) corny they are. So, But um, that's the point. They are so funny because they are so corny. That's it. However we make you laugh, that's the (laughs) goal. Hey, hey, it's it's medicine. Amen. A merry heart. Amen. Why don't you introduce uh, for us our our, uh, third and, and final week on our topic? Yes, absolutely. This uh, we we do we do attempt to not do a topic more than three weeks, just because I, I think people would just stop you know tuning in after after a certain amount of time. But we've been talking about Holy Spirit uh, living, Spirit filled living, uh, living with the uh, with the presence of the Spirit of God in your life, and um, uh, an acknowledgement of the Spirit of God in your life. And we have last week I gave just a really super quick overview of the first part of chapter five of Galatians. 
um, the first week we talked about verses um, uh, 16, 17. Last week got an 18 and 19. And ultimately, I think um, what you and I kind of had la have latched on to was an illustration I used in week one that uh, how cool it would be if you were married to a doctor or you lived with the doctor in your house kind of on the same level is that how awesome it would be if, if, you know, if your, if your spouse would, could cut hair, you know, you could get free haircuts, you know, whatever, you know, just, um, uh, you know, for you ladies, you know, how great it'd be if your husband was a mechanic, uh, just those kind of things. But when, uh, if you were married to a doctor and every time you have a cough or an ache, they could just say, Oh, well, it's this, this, and this. And rather than Googling your symptoms, which, it always means you'll probably die within 24 hours if you Google your symptoms. And with, with all the emotional and spiritual hurts that we go through, living with the Spirit of God is living with the doctor, okay? And uh, I think we can get above and beyond any trauma in life, any abuse in life, any bitterness in life, whatever, if we understand that the ultimate doctor for spiritual pain, emotional pain lives right here inside of you. And um, so spirit-filled Christian living, uh, it has a lot to do with a lot of things, but part of it is getting you healed and beyond uh, the traumas of your life. So um, last week we, we got started. I showed my little post-it note last week. Um, and uh, we, we talked about um, the list of 16 works of the flesh that are mentioned there. We just briefly talked about the first four of those that are all, are all sexual in nature, um, uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. And we kind of went through some explanations of those. Um, one thing really quick I want to say about that list, and I'm sure you probably have more to add to it, is um, the next two are idolatry and witchcraft, Okay which are technically worship problems, mm -hmm. okay, improper worship. But uh, once you get past the first six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12 are all internal sins, mm -hmm. okay, or internal struggles. Okay, so just to go through them quickly, there's hatred. Can I just say, I've seen a lot of hatred in Christianity uh, it, it, it's almost like we feel like we have a free pass to make fun of, uh, uh, publicly mock uh, people who, who um, uh, are politically opposed to us Christians. Now, I'm very firm about my political beliefs, okay? I, I'm very, very firm about it, but not to the point of hating somebody, okay? Mm -hmm. And I made up my mind a long time ago, I would never make fun of anybody that Jesus loves, mm -hmm. Okay. It's not going to do it, okay? If he loves them, if his blood was shed on Calvary for them, I will not mock them. I'm just not going to do it. But yet, um, we we think that the gloves are off when it comes to Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, you know, and I don't agree with those folks politically, but Jesus loves those people, you know? But hatred, uh, variance, uh, which is another word for wrangling or, or, or wrestling, uh, emulations, uh, which is another word for fierceness, and isn't there a fierceness among a lot of people? You know, we're, we're standing up for America. No, uh, sometimes you're standing up for America is you standing against the principles of God. I, I'm, I'm going to stand up for America and I'm going to be bold about what I believe in that America needs. But one thing America needs is Christians to behave like Christians. Okay. Uh -huh. Fierceness, uh, wrath, that's the acting out of anger, strife, 
um, struggles, ego struggles with people and seditions or divisions. So um, seven through 12 are internal. These are internal. These are things you feel. And then when, when you get past those, the last four heresies, murders, drunkenness, and revelings, those are all external. So what you've got is the, this list of 16 things. You got six external sins, you got six internal sins, and then you got four external. We typically only see the external. We look at that list and see adultery on the front end, murder on the back end, and we think, ah, I think I'm pretty good there not realizing that there are a lot of things that can go on inside the heart, soul, and brain of a person that works its way out to become adultery. And you may not ever kill somebody, but you know what Jesus said about murder in the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, point being, just because you haven't committed adultery, just because you haven't committed murder, those are only two on a list of 16, I think we need to treat the other 14 as serious as we treat those two. And um, what I would say to someone listening today is this. I think time alone, personally with the Lord, when it is quiet, when you can pray, and when you can truly ask God to search you, search me, oh God, and know my heart, to truly uh, come before the Lord with that attitude and that mindset has got to be where spirit-filled Christian living begins, okay? So that, that's my take from uh, the rest of my post-it note. <laughs> so you went over them one at one a time and, and did a great job of breaking them down. I want to make a broader statement here. I have spent much of my Christian life trying to overcome the works of the flesh uh, and found myself to be a failure, Um you know, I'll, I'll be transparent here. I, I don't like when people cut me off in traffic. I don't like, um, when, uh, we have a problem here in, uh, with New York type drivers in Connecticut, where you've got, you're, you're leaving enough room between you and the car in front of you. Uh, that way you can break. And there's a row of 10 cars in front of him, uh, in your left lane. And then in the right lane, you're not moving anywhere. And someone will, scooch up there and and shoot in that gap just because they see that space and and my flesh wants to bow up and start calling them names that jesus said in matthew 5 you're in danger of hellfire if you start calling people those type of names and we don't have to get into the the specifics of or or the uh, uh we don't have to get into that passage right now per se but more of the point i'm trying to make is that i feel those things bowing up inside of me and there are other things on this list that uh, from time to time in my Christian life, I've struggled with. And what I'll say is that when I have a hard time is defeating these things through the power of my flesh. Um, and, and that's what I have tried to do much of my Christian life is through my flesh, tame my flesh. And you cannot tame your flesh through your flesh. No. It is futile to even try. And so what I've, what I've learned, Pastor King, is that Christian living and, and uprooting these, um, uh, this, uh, rather getting rid of these fruits, which is what we have here are the works of the flesh or the fruit of the flesh. The key to it is yielding to the spirit of God, learning to walk with the spirit of God. And instead of focusing in on uncleanness or hatred, or, um, you know, uh, I think you spent time talking about variance. 
instead of instead of trying to focus on these one things and 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 get rid of them what we need to do is is pour the spirit of god over the root system of the flesh allow that to kill the root system of the flesh and then those fruits go away on their own um so important fleshly christianity is still fleshly yeah and trying to be a good christian through the flesh is a waste of time yeah you can you can clean up the outside enough to fool everybody, including your spouse if you're married. But you can't fool yourself and you can't fool the Lord. I, I also want to add here, Pastor King, that I think there's a term a lot of Christians need to to get back to, and it's the term self-awareness. We are so <laughs> good at making excuses for our own sin, yeah. not even being able to see our own struggles. And people who are closest to us may may see them. They may not see them. But when was the last time you got alone in a prayer closet and you just got real with God about your struggles and who you really are? Um, I don't like looking at a mirror uh, of myself all the time, especially I don't like looking at a mirror when I first wake up in the morning. I get in the shower first, then I look at a mirror. But oftentimes we don't want to go to God in prayer because it's like, or read the Bible because it's like looking in a spiritual mirror and we see the sin on our face or in our heart. And we don't want to, we don't even want to acknowledge that it's there. And so we make excuses for it. Or we, we pretend that we don't have it, that it doesn't exist. And we lack self-awareness. And when we get real with ourselves over our struggle, and then we get real over the fact that we can't overcome those struggles on our own, then we turn to a, a, a higher power. We turn to the Holy Spirit of God uh, for his help. And then we learn that defeating these sins is not about how well I'm behaved uh, or how self, how much self-control I can exhibit or how hard I try. We learn it's about yielding to the spirit of God instead and letting the spirit of God overcome these things in our hearts and lives. So well put, so well put. I think, um, I think that we, we judge ourselves, our, our judgment of ourselves is more challenging than our judgment of everybody else. And uh, sometimes it's our our judgment, our lack of judgment of ourselves, um, is so evident to everyone else. They that we, you know, that we we want to to look religious. We want to look spiritual. We, you know, we are so concerned with with the image. And you know, we ought to be concerned with our testimony. I get that, and I'm totally all for that. But the the problem is, is if your concern for your testimony doesn't match your concern for your heart, then then there is an inconsistency there and you probably will be the last person to see it. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to live my life um, uh, in, in, in constant hypocrisy in, in constant uh, conflict where, where the outside and the inside don't match. I think it's dangerous. And, you know, Richard, I, uh, this is a, a half a step off of what we're talking about here, but, you know, I'm really careful about being critical of anybody, um, um, privately or publicly. Uh, I, I try to be real careful about that because uh, I, I saw a post the other day on Facebook where uh, some people were criticizing a preacher, and um, in this preacher, he did say something really dumb, and it was probably borderline heresy. And um, uh, but I, I saw the the post, and I thought okay, he, he should not have said that. And I'm not saying that we should not publicly expose false teaching. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying that I think we have to be really careful 
whenever we want to point a finger at somebody else and and point out their flaws or their heresy or, or whatever it is, there's a time and a place for that. But boy, I, I better make sure that that a thousand times over I have looked at myself. Yeah. I think that you know the, the Holy Spirit is like a dove. That's one of the most beautiful, you know, he's like fire, he's like water, he's like wind, he's, he's like a lot of things, but he's like a dove, and a dove is easily shooed away, and I think that, that if we are not careful, we can just shoo away the, uh, the Holy Spirit, and I'm not saying his presence, but his power in our lives, if, if we're not careful uh, with with the way that we think, with the way we behave, with the way our, we allow our heart to become. So I just want to give a word of encouragement. I, you know, I, I know we've only got about five minutes left here, Richard, and I, I know there's a lot of other good stuff. We probably want to get into verses 22 and 23 on this. I'm assuming that's where you probably wanted to go next. Is there some, are there some things you want to say about the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah, let's look at them here. Verse 22 and 23 offer a contrast to the works of the flesh. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. And I think the running joke on this is there is no law, at least not yet. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, you give the government long enough time, they may try to pass laws against these things. But, um, you know, when we're, when we're learning to consistently walk by the spirit and no one's perfect at it, but day in and day out, you're letting the spirit of God lead and guide your heart and decision-making and your attitude, uh, your emotional state. You may not naturally be someone who's good at loving. Uh, you're going, the spirit of God's going to love through you. You may not be someone who's long suffering or patient, but you'll find when you're walking with the spirit, all of a sudden you have a patience about you that didn't come natural to your flesh. Pastor King, I found that some people are, have a natural inclination as Christians toward a few of these fruits of the spirit. Um, they don't have to really work at it. Some people are just naturally patient, uh, but, but others I can speak for myself. I struggle with, and unless I'm walking with the spirit of God, these things don't reveal themselves in me. Um, and it's like, a, you know, it's like a, a, any tree or crop. There's a planting season. There's a watering season and there's a harvest season. You don't live by the spirit for a day or two. And then all of a sudden get this supernatural goodness about you. Uh, it's a season of living that way that brings this about in your life. And, uh, you know, Christianity, we live in a fast paced, instant gratification world. Um, much of the Christian life is not instant instantaneous gratification. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's playing the long game. It's learning to walk with God over not days or weeks or months, but years and even decades. And then you begin yeah. to see these fruits uh, become evidenced in your life and they replace the works of the flesh. Uh, extremely well put. I, I hope everybody would grasp what you were saying about the, the planting, watering, uh, the, in the seasons, the time that is involved, the, the, there is no magic wand that will instantaneously make you spiritual. Can I give you a very shallow, extremely shallow approach to this list? Let's hear it. All right. If you look at the 16 things that are the works of the flesh and then the nine things that are the fruits of the spirit, the, the fruit of the spirit list is shorter and simpler. Okay. Uh-huh. When I look at the 16 works of the flesh, it is long and complicated. 
okay, long, it's almost twice as long as the fruits of the spirit. And it's complicated, okay? I mean, we the just the four words that were used to describe the sexual works of the flesh, it, that is complicated. But yet over on the uh, the fruit of the spirit, fruit of the spirit is love. Well, how simple is that? Okay. That it's a one word. Four because the other four describe lust. Yeah. Yeah. One word to give the good side of four words on the bad side. So it's complicated. And no wonder the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Yeah. It is hard. It is complicated. And I wish people could understand the, the freedom that Galatians chapter five is talking about. The freedom is in this very simple, easy list of nine things. The difficult, complicated, frustrating life is in that long, hard to understand, complicated list of 16 things. Uh, I, make up your mind today. What list do you want to live under? You can't live under both. I'll let you wrap it up. Got about a minute. So you look past verse 23, verse 24 says, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If you're saved, you are living in the spirit. The spirit is living in you. It's not about how much of the Holy Spirit you have. If you're saved, you have all the Holy Spirit you're going to get. It's how much does the Holy Spirit have your heart? Have you, have you surrendered all of it to him? Do you wake up each morning? Your first, the first prayer out of your mouth ought to be, or one of the first prayers out of your mouth ought to be, Lord, I, I kill off my own desires today. Help me to walk in the, in the spirit of God. And uh, Lord, I, I want to please you, not please myself. I want to live for others and not live for myself. Verse 30, uh, rather verse 26 says, let us not be desirous of vain glory. Uh, and, and we don't want to live a life that's filled with vanity, emptiness, and, uh, and pride.